Hi, this is Mr. Saad of MyPartnerIsKinky.com, and you're listening to The Massacast. Massacast is supported by listeners like you. If you like what you hear, and we're sure you will, please become a supporter of The Massacast by going to the website and clicking Donate. Hello, and thanks for downloading another episode of The Massacast. Saad and I were uh, recently uh, at a pet store. We were getting some new fish. And we noticed someone who had a collar around her neck, and it looked like, you know, it was a kink collar. It could have been a fashion statement, but um, we both kind of thought, okay, this is this is clearly, a, you know, I think she's in the lifestyle. But there was no real way to say, you can't really say, excuse me, are you in the lifestyle or are you kinky? Because that's just, if the person's not, then what we need is a statement. We need a phrase, sort of a thing, you know, that, that identifies us as kinky verbally that only other kinky people know about. And that way we can use this code phrase, you know, and I... I don't know what the code phrase would be, but it has to be something so unique that you'd only hear it in very unique situations. Like, for example, um, something you could just fit in without it sounding too bizarre in normal conversation. Like, I understand Richard Nixon's pistachios did not have that much beta-carotene. Something like this that is very succinct. Doesn't sound too... Okay, maybe sounds a little weird, but it's not going to throw out the big, you know, flag. So maybe we need a phrase. Tell you what, feel free to email me, massacast at gmail.com, or you can go ahead and uh, go on the website and you can see the phone number on there. You can leave a voicemail as far as what the... um, What should the phrase be that we use to identify each other as kinky people? So, uh, this episode uh, is an episode with another kink from around the globe. A friend uh, was in town, Limer who's from Sweden, but he was in New York here very briefly, and we got to sit down and talk about uh, about kink in Sweden and his neck of the woods and a whole bunch of other stuff, and I hope you enjoy it. Here he is. The first thing that I wanted to ask you was, why, when you live in Sweden, which I imagine is the land of, you know, Valkyries... <laughs> um, the why, blonde why, and the polar bears. Right. Well, I, I'm, I'm Norwegian by descent, so... Uh, I, I imagine you've got everything. You've got, you've probably got your version of Lefsa. You've got Lutefisk. You've got everything you could possibly need, except apparently a lot of kinky people. Is that what? Is that the vibe? Well, there are kinky peoples too. Right. Kinky people, I should say, there are. But um, I um, came across it in Sweden first, but I actually picked up on it back when I was '96 when I was here the first time. You're so, in New York. Yeah, New 96. York. Yeah. And that made me... It was more visible over here. You picked up the village voice or something like that, and you saw it. It was just like, whoa, what is this? Right. Never been there, never been to that in that uh, context before. You didn't really imagine it as anything outside of fantasy. No, exactly. Okay, Okay, so you pick up a village voice, and you saw that there was kink everywhere in the village voice. Well, I saw that there were the back pages, so to say. And I got more and more interested, so I... um, Well, I picked it up. I was here for like seven weeks, so I picked it up every now and then and went through it and saw some stuff uh, I was there I was here staying with a friend and his family so and we were always out together so it wasn't that easy to like go out and explore so to say but um, we, I did a little here and there I found purple passion but I was so scared that it actually didn't go in right. I went past it three times but I didn't have the courage to go in I did and the same I, thing I'm not I'm ashamed of saying it now, but that's just how it was back then. Right. It took me two years, and I went over again, 
And um, I'm sorry, yeah. to interrupt, but you had to ditch the friend in order to do all yeah. this stuff. Yeah. Well, right? we when you're together like seven weeks, you, you you have your off days. Sure. When you're just like, okay, you take you go that way, I'll go the other, and we'll meet you. I'm we'll meet go back to the at six o'clock. For yeah. A few yeah. Exactly. So um, I um, we 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 had our off days, and so I did some exploring back then. But it, I, I, the only thing I knew was like the porno shops over here, and then the uh, some of the stuff. Right. And purple passion. Yeah. Never. I saw the saw the entrance. Never went there. That's just how it was. That back then. It was just a, a nerve. Obviously, I mean, I I know exactly what you were going through because I did this exact same thing when I first came to New York. I came th- I came to the place and my heart started going like 180. I was like, nope, I can't do that today. Yeah. They might know I'm a perv. I gotta go keep on going somewhere else. But that that's the funny thing. But of course they they're pervs because they, yeah. they're selling it. Of course. But I wasn't. I didn't have the mindset then. Sure. Back then, thinking, okay, they're also perps. They're so, they they want to cater to my fantasies and whatever my needs. And then uh, I went home that summer. Started working back home because I just finished school, and I um, started picking up more and more interesting things back home as well. Because I found out that uh, there's some there's a, there's some scenes in uh, there's a scene in Copenhagen. I live close to Copenhagen down south. And I'm in Sweden, but I just take the train over to Copenhagen. Yeah. Or then we took the fo- the boat. Now we, we have a bridge over. So, and I found out that there were stores there. So I went looking there, and eventually I um, took a vacation over here again back in December of '98, where I actually bought my first fetish clothing and so on. Went to some parties, attended an, uh, a test meeting and uh, stuff like that. And that from that on it rolled on because then I went active in the. Um, scene back home as well so so you sort of take, took your first leap here in new york yeah most definitely and afterwards you said oh this is not a big deal in exactly. fact did you find it less scary when you were in copenhagen or denmark compared to or actually say copenhagen or stockholm or something like that compared to new york city no or? no actually i was this was so far away from home so i knew i could never meet anybody ah. there was no possibility of any like like uh, unpleasant ex- uh, surprise or anything. This this was I, f- I feel like home here in New York. Every it's like my back pocket. Yeah. So um, this was like this was safe. Going back home, you never know who you're gonna who you're gonna meet up on the train over to Copenhagen, like ten ten p.m. Yeah. All dressed out in late latex and stuff. So it's there's a bigger risk, or there was back then that I perceived at least. Sure. Now I don't really care. Just like if they meet me, they meet me. That's it. But uh, back then I was very scared to be uh, outed, so to say. And what did you find uh, your initial reactions between the differences between New York and? Well, over here you have in New York you have the um, either there's like sex or there's alcohol in the place. Right. Copenhagen is there have alcohol, they have sex, they have it all. Compared to uh, there's full nudity and everything. They're a bit more um, liberal, so to say. Yeah, and that's something I hear from the uh, the uh, U.S. Per- people that come over. They're like, "Oh, what the hell is this here?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's just that's just how it is. Uh, but that's Denmark. We there aren't that much. De- Sweden is a bit uh, more different because there's uh, they are more like the U.S. You either have some alcohol and you don't have full nudity at all times. And so yeah. on. There's some, but I don't. I haven't really been. To places where they run around totally naked, like they can do in, in Copenhagen. Just so you're saying Copenhagen's the place to be? Yeah, it's a good place to be. It is. It is. <laughs> you, you I went the- there. Like my first fetish party back in Copenhagen was in '99, and I uh, was a New, New Year's ball at the Manifest 
uh, fetish association. And I was sitting there like having a beer four in the morning. And all of a sudden there's a gentleman sitting down and uh, his uh, slave comes over with a beer and he just pulls down the uh, zipper and she starts to blow him. And he's just sitting next to me, starting talking to me. And I was just like, what the hell? And he's just being like, so how you doing? Yeah, kind of. What's he saw doing? that I was sitting there. He had a seat, asked if, can I sit down? I said, yeah, sure, no problem. Yeah. And he was just like making small conversation, you know, small talk. And you, did you try to just act like nothing was going on? I tried, but it, <laughs> it was real hard. So, I, like, so what's I didn't know I mean, how to uh, handle it back then. I was just like, oh, okay. Right. And uh, well, he was took like five minutes or so, and he was happy. And he went his way with his life. Sure. All right, well, we'll see you later. I just sat there like wondering what the hell just happened here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are, there, are there certain activities you found uh, that are more common in... Your neck of the woods as opposed to New York or vice versa? I mean, is It's pretty similar. There's a lot of like spanking, whipping, stuff like that, uh, bondage. Uh, some of the more advanced stuff isn't like here. You don't do it here. You do it in, in the privacy of your yeah. own home and so on. Uh, but it happens. For, there are some certain stuff that happen from time to time. Yeah. It's, it's pretty similar in that, in that sense. Sort of universal. Yeah. But it's you just you. Some of the scenes, like uh, sometimes, it can take up to half an hour to set up and everything, and that's not something you want to do at the at the club or something. Right. You want to do that at home where you know there's nothing going to happen. You, you mentioned that um, you just came back from Test Fest. Yeah. And you said there really isn't anything like Test Fest. Right? For those people who don't know, Test Fest is part of like the New York scene. Every year they have this huge kink blowout where they take take you know they rent out an entire hotel and they. It's like Floating World, which we've talked about on here before. Um, uh, and this was your first test fest. Yeah. And you mentioned that, that they really don't have a lot of like classes and stuff like that back. They have, but there's it's mainly like a half-day class or so on, and it's on a specific topic. Yeah. This is test fest is like four four days, Friday to Monday. There's like three or four. Um, there, I would say actually there's like 20, 25 classes each yeah. day you can pick and choose from. Mm -hmm. And so you, you'll get about like eight or ten classes uh, through through uh, the four day period that you can take unless you're jumping from class to class and just ditching ditching it halfway, and we don't have that back home. It's like usually they get like uh, they get some of the uh, international presenters like mm -hmm. Midori coming over doing some bondage or doing some other class. Right. They've done that in Copenhagen. They do it up in Stockholm. They do it in Gothenburg, but um, it's it's very specific. What, what's it about the parties we have back home uh, in Sweden and Denmark so on if it's if it's at a if it's at a venue it's just one night do you think it's because um, kink is more accepted there I'm trying to think of what the reason would be and one the one thing that pops in my head is maybe because uh, in the states we still have to kind of segregate and isolate everything and we have maybe maybe it's also a population thing i'm not i'm not it could be part of that that it's uh we just actually we like i think it was back in 2010 we were classified as not the, the bdsm was declassified as a illness a oh, mental okay. illness so we just now we're just we're, we're healthy now so right. to say uh, other than that we're still having trouble with the uh how the law interprets interprets uh, some things and uh, stuff like that, but I'm not sure that we're more uh, free and um, open-minded over there. I think it's part of the uh, the population. You have like eight, eight nine million yeah. in New York, and then you have all the you have all the uh, like four hours down. You have another four million, yeah. 
four hours up, you have another four million. We are like twenty million all in all, I would say. Yeah. Something like that, and that's over something that's half half the size of Europe. Like when you go north, so to say. Cause yeah. I live down south, and we have. There's if I go south, as much as I can go north, I'll be below Rome. Yeah. So it's it's very spread out. Yeah. And we don't have the same. We don't we don't we don't reach that kind of a critical critical mass that you need to have an event like Test Fest, so to say. So you mentioned before we before we started recording that there's two reasons why you come to New York. One is for the Yankees, and the other is for for kink. Yeah. Uh, is there anything you experience here kink-wise? I mean, so obviously the the Yankees. I don't think. The who Yankees knows, are, the, are part of the prime. They're part of, part of the whole process. Yeah. You, you, who knows? Maybe if you write enough letters, they'll get a you know they'll get an off-season game going <laughs> uh, in Stockholm or something. But um, is there something that you experience in New York's king scene, or, or I should say, in the? I guess New York's king scene is very. Well, I've I've been uh, active on, on some of the boards, uh, and I met a lot of people over here. And now I'm I'm staying with a friend, Shermie, that I met back in 2008. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just that over here there's a lot more happening, and I find it much more interesting to go to go away and just be detached from everything back home. And the main reason I'm going over this year, because I, I told myself I was here back in September of, uh, of 2010. I told myself even before I went here back then, I won't go to the U.S. again. I have to go to the King's Inn in Berlin, right. Amsterdam, Paris. And then my friend Sherman says, so why don't you come for Test Fest or something next summer? I'm like, uh, okay, um, I'll have to think about that. And he showed me the, the classes that yeah. they had last year and everything. I was like, oh, I got to go do this. So this is a totally new experience for me uh, compared to what I've done before. So what, what was it that made you say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check out the Paris or Berlin or something like that? Was it just because uh, you thought you had seen it all or, or you just wanted to explore more? I wanted to explore more. Uh, I wanted to see what they have down there. I, I know Ber- Berlin has a has a has a nice scene. Yeah, uh, I've I've been to Amsterdam, but in a vanilla uh, capacity before, and I know they have a lot of stuff there. But there's just so much back home that I want that I need to see as well. I need I need to see both in a in, on the kink side and then on the vanilla side as well. But uh, I just like going over to the New York. I, I love New York. That's just how it is. Do you find? Um that sort of, uh, I don't want to say sexual, yeah, I guess you could say sexual tourism in a way. Do you find that kinky tourism is pretty big all over Europe? Like, I, I guess my, I'm trying to think of an example. Like, um, if you go to an event in Copenhagen or in Stockholm or wherever, what are the odds you're going to run into someone from another country? I'm not sure, actually. In Copenhagen, you might run into some of them on, in some of the uh, the parties that goes on. Yeah. But, um the main, the, the big ones you have over in Europe is like Torture Garden over in London. Uh-huh. You have some of the stuff going on in Hamburg or Berlin. Amsterdam has some. I don't know about Paris and uh, and Spain and Italy and stuff like that. But and but Stockholm uh, and Goth uh, and Gothenburg and, and Copenhagen. I don't think there's there is a chance that you will bump into somebody, but it's not that big compared to the others. Because like uh, from what I understand, half of Europe like seems to go to uh, the bigger ones. Yeah. Like Torture Garden in, in London and yeah. so on. I just I just imagined uh, someone you know afterwards you know two two people com- comparing notes afterwards and saying well I got I got whipped by an Austrian and flogged by a Swede or you know or whatever yeah. you know. Um, whereas now here it's pretty much you know uh, the only thing that they com- compare notes on when it comes to different people after a scene is like how annoying was that person from Jersey you know that's kind <laughs> of like the main the main thing. Uh, 
Well, Everyone who's from Jersey is not answering that. But I yeah. was uh, back at the test fest. I was always introduced as, hi, this is Lima from Sweden. Yeah. By my friend Shermy. And I, they were like, oh, Sweden. What's that? <laughs> and Well, I know where it is, but they were just caught off guard. Yeah. That somebody would come that far away. But actually, no, there was another Swede that I met at the event. Uh-huh. And there was a couple from uh, Germany. Oh, so, they, they came so they, specifically? They, well, I don't know. if They came for the whole event, so to yeah. say. Uh, and I think they would... They would plan that some, somehow yeah. because you don't just stumble upon it. Do you find that that kind of gives you a little, you know, little, little bump, little no. boost? So, like you say, like for example, you say, "Oh yeah, I'm from Sweden." Well, it's kind of, it's like, kind of oh, nice. Wow. Yeah, so of it's course, like, it's, it's a good it's, opener. It's, it's always an icebreaker. Right. It's it opens the door a little bit because everybody remembers the guy from Sweden. So to sure, say. it's not like the, the ten guys from Jersey or the twenty guys from from the city coming down unless yeah. they unless they do something really pervy. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, because I imagine you can't say that back home. You can't. No, say, no, no. Oh, then I'm, I'm from just Sweden. like, yeah. They're like, well, so am I. Yeah, exactly. What's the big deal there? So, so for those people who are thinking of maybe going uh, on a trip to Sweden or Denmark or where would where would you suggest they go? Are there any places off the top of your head or? Well, Stockholm. St- Stockholm is a nice city. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would I would recommend going to uh, the Scandinavian countries in the summer, from like yeah. m- June uh, to August, September. We, it's not that it's, it's, it can get hot, but it's not New York hot. Yeah. We don't have the humidity, thank yeah. God. That's the thing. It, it's, it can get hot, uh, but we don't have the same, uh, the same sauna effect yes. like you have over here. Oh, trust here. me, I know. I'm new, I'm new to it. And it's uh, so like a week in Stockholm and the surroundings there, you can go into the archipelago. Copenhagen is nice. Copenhagen is a real great city when there's sun. Yeah. If it's uh, if it's cloudy or dull or, or like uh, rainy, everything is gray. Yeah. That's if you ask me. When the sun is out, there's few places that that can beat it. I haven't been that, I haven't been to uh, Finland that much, uh, and I've only passed through Norway. Yeah. Uh, uh, like Oslo and stuff like that, so I don't, I can't tell, but it's probably a lot of fun there as well. I'm sure there's some websites. Out yeah, there. you Fat Life is probably a good place to go. Fat Life, email uh, people on Fat Life. Yeah, uh, that's always a good one. You can always just shout out there, and some, some, uh, we, we're, there are some Nordic, you know, Scandinavian kinksters on Fat Life. Sure, we have the Sweden has their own. Um, uh, we have our own, our own community on, mm-hmm. online, but um, and that's. Only in Swedish. Well, then you can always also also do some in English and stuff like that. But the whole system is in Swedish, so to say. Fat Life is a perfectly good resource. Yeah, probably. exactly. I guess I, I guess I'm wondering when it comes to play. You said that at most at most uh, play parties and stuff like that, just about anything can happen there. Yeah, over, like in in uh, in Denmark, it can. Uh, like it doesn't just have to be the uh, the spanking everything. Yeah. Like, all of a sudden, they just whip out to to gloves and start fisting each other or whatever. But sex isn't like frowned upon. No, not not there at least. Not in Copenhagen. Sure. On the parts I've been to, they're mainly they're not purely BDSM. There's the fetish scene as well. They they incorporate it. Yeah. There, it isn't big enough, so you can have you can have it like purely BDSM or purely fetish. But sometimes they come. They often come together when it's the big party, so everybody's invited and. Uh, as long as you follow the dress code and uh, you're in, so to say, and then it's up to anybody to do whatever they want. So, which is here, if, if anything gets too sexual, even whether it's public or, or, or whatever, usually for someone for for there to be sex, they have to specifically say on the RSVP they have to say this is a private party, and yes, we're encouraging all forms of play, including sex yeah. and all that. And usually people are like, "Oh, that's really unique. We haven't 
yeah. you haven't experienced that before. You know, so it's very it's very segregated. Probably probably because uh, our place, you know, our public place spaces are usually very uh, no nudity or anything like mm -hmm. that. So kind of, we're kind of we've trained ourselves, I guess. Yeah. Um, what about uh, like protocol? Like here, I know it's considered. Uh, how do you identify? By the way, I haven't I haven't asked it. Well, the thing is. I have a problem with that myself because I came into the scene back in like the mid nineties, mm -hmm. and back then, if you had a collar, you were a slave. Yeah. If you had a lock on the collar, you were owned and you were off limits. Now I see like I can see even doms with can collars that I just I know they're doms, but I still pick up on the collar. I'm like, oh, what are they signaling here? Yeah. Stuff like that. So it's it's kind of hard. Usually, if they have a collar, there's so usually they, there have to be a, like a leash or something. Yeah. Then you get the direct uh, idea. Of, okay, this is what this is the, that that's what they're doing and so on. So, yeah, yeah. I guess they don't really have. There's there there are no strict. It's been broken up. Oh yeah, the same thing here. I'm sure there, uh, there was a time when when a collar meant. I think when I first moved here, there was that there's a certain period of time when uh, a collar did mean one specific thing. Yeah. And then the, just kind of people are like, ah, oh, it doesn't mean anything else. There was the thing that's, as well, if you had like your whips on the right side or the left side, you signaled as well. That's something I, I oh, don't wow. remember totally which side it was. Oh, was it, so, it's so you like, didn't know, if it, is it my left or your left? Or, yeah, or, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't remember if it was on my, if I had it on the right side, I signaled that I was, I was the dominant or if, I, if it right. was the left side. I don't remember. I remember I was told about it just briefly back in the and 90s clearly they, they and now it's just like they say it in the most confusing way probably. right yeah. it's like it's like kind of like the hanky code with yeah. the uh, but but this was with just signaling but with your whips on what side you had them i you know because i was looking at someone was talking about the hanky code recently and uh i remember thinking because you know the hanky code it only means a certain number of things i think they've got like 20 or oh there's like a lot of colors there's a lot of colors now yeah well i saw there's something I saw I saw a, a list. I didn't I didn't really. I just browsed through it. Yeah. And that was like up to almost forty things. Like forty things. Forty like colors. How different. confusing! You have, yeah, to come, you have to walk around with like a, a key. Yeah, you need a you need a. Okay, so let's see here. There's a monkey wrestling an alligator. That means you're into gravy. What does that mean? I don't know. Oh, here we go. Oh look. I bought some of these beautiful silk screened. Right. Hankies that are not only the color of the hanky but also what they're uh, meaning. What they yeah, mean? what they represent, and then around all the corners, it tells you. It tells you everything what, about what different activities and their associated colors are. Oh, that's good. So it's it's very much like a map. So look, okay, so here we go. So I'm looking at the key code here. I think yellow is golden showers, and right? I think red is fisting, and I think brown is like scat. And then there's like there's light blue, dark blue. So here's where here's where you get the problem. Teal blue. I don't know what teal is, yeah. right? So it's like what mauve. If someone said mauve, do not talk to someone wearing mauve. I'm like yeah. fuck. I'm not gonna talk to anybody because yeah. I don't know what that is, right? What, what happens when I'm colorblind? Even worse. Like okay, here's here's an interesting thing. If you have, uh, if your hanky code is Margaret Thatcher strangling Ronald Reagan, then you're not for trickle down economics. Interesting. <laughs> That's interesting. Oh my god. Yep. However, if Margaret Thatcher is pissing in Ronald Reagan's mouth, then you're for it. You're supply side. See? So there you go. Uh, yeah, it's very confusing for me. In fact, if you go on, if you've ever browsed FetLife, half the people on FetLife have kinks that they're into that is extremely long. 
Which, yeah. you know, that's good for them, right? Well, it's not just spanking. It's like spanking with a foot in my mouth yes. and a shoe in my ass. Yes. And either it's like receiving, giving, or all everything in, about it and so on. So well, and you, you're lucky that they haven't gotten so specific. Size 14 shoe. Yeah. Must be Converse All-Star. But there are that kind of stuff. Also. You Sometimes you see like a kink that's like four lines long. And you're just like, oh, what the hell? Did you just make it, make it up themselves? Or is this a valid one? Or are they just making it up and <laughs> right. having, a, having a laugh at us all? It's, oh, so... so Oh, there we go. What makes a kink invalid? I don't. I didn't want to. I don't want to give it. Go into that. What's invalid or something? But sometimes you gotta wonder, like, how how specific specific do you need to be in order to do it? That's but then again, fetish. yeah. The more the, specific you are, the more narrow, the more yeah. fetish-minded you are. Exactly. The other thing too is like I saw someone who who said the Beastie Boys as their one of list of kinks, right? Well, that would make me think if you're listing it here, you you must. It must be a fetish. Having sex with the, or maybe with the Beastie Boys, or with, while the Beastie Boys are playing. I don't know. Does it have to be licensed to Ill? Can it be any of their other albums? Or do you just like the Beastie Boys? You know. Um, but is, have you noticed any different things as far as protocol goes in, from back home as compared to here? Because here it used to be, you if you were a submissive guy, and I don't know how you identify. I'm a submissive okay. guy. Okay. So if you were a submissive guy, it used to be when I first got here, you did not approach a dominant woman. Unless you were, you, unless you were about to like buy her a beverage, that was it, right? Because if, if you did anything more than that, you were cut, you could be kind of an asshole. In, some, in at least in the first circles that I was around in, and then uh, first uh, at some point it just became talk to anybody, whatever. Is it pretty much relaxed there too? Yeah, or is it, it is. Okay? It is. Uh, back back in the nineties, everything was as I perceived as well. I was very, I was I was very young, but I was younger then and more inexperienced. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of respect for the ladies there back then. Like I still have respect, but I was just like, it was almost on the border of like fear. You don't know what they right. Will they just slap you around, or what's what's going to go? What's going to happen if you even talk to them? Yeah. So you were you were defensive and you were passive, so to say. But now you can just go up and talk with them, and say hi, how are you? I'm this and that, and and if, if they're interested, they'll talk to you. Sometimes they can just like, Oop, no, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't want to talk. Yeah, it still it. happens, but you know, it's you have to. Um, you can you can always just go in and say hi. Yeah, I'm this and that. Hey, how are you? Yeah, something happened when the um, internet came into play. Everything opened up. Yeah, like 2011, you can find everything you want on the internet. Back in like 96, 98, it was still just emerging. Yeah. Uh, and back then, like, you didn't have internet. If you didn't have internet, or if you even had it, there was a very limited amount of what you could find and what you could do. You couldn't interact that much. It was like going into homepages and finding some pictures, maybe, stuff like that. Maybe some text, but yeah. that's about nothing educational at all. It was just pure uh, professional um, selling stuff sort of selling the selling the fantasy yeah now we have our own communities we exchange thoughts and ideas and that's a big difference and that i think being having that open with that opening up our, our sphere uh made us a, li a little less um laid back when it comes to the in real life thing so yeah. to say. for you it sounds like you it was only until you got to new york that you really started exploring that for yourself yeah i i uh, well i found some stuff back home uh i the thing was i walked into a, st a porno store when i was 16 with some of my classmates we were going to buy some gifts for a girl who was uh, had a, had her birthday coming up okay 
and we all went in there with like six persons we went in there they went to see the get the stuff and i just wandered around and all of a sudden i stumbled upon some bdsm movies i'm like well what the hell is this here yeah and it caught my interest and it felt natural to me yeah i saw a guy lying on the floor licking some lady's boots and that was i didn't that wasn't kink or anything for me that that just felt like normal so i went back later on and um yeah, found out and looked around, and I rented a move, a couple of movies, and I bought a couple of movies. Mm-hmm. Once I turned, uh, once I turned eighteen, because it's not allowed. You're not allowed to do it before you're eighteen. Right. Um, but um, so, um, and that that's the way it went, so to say. And uh, then when I came over to the U.S., I found out some more about it, and I got on online pretty early, mm-hmm. and I it just grew, and I gathered more and more information. Is the scene pretty small there? Uh, in I'm not. The thing is, I have trouble saying what's big and what's small. Sure. There, but like the one I'm uh, in right now is the south of Sweden. We're just they just started up. Uh, there's two um, doms who just started up their own little uh, organization or association called uh, Seven Sins, mm-hmm. and uh, there are a few. We are, I would say, up to like a hundred, hundred fifty in the south there's even, pretty good. there's probably even more but they all go to different we all go to different munches we meet up at the pub right. every thir- Thursday and so on and um, so there are there are a lot of people for us once we get going and everybody commits we'll be like easily a 50 to 100 persons meeting up at a regular Thursday munch and uh, that's really impressive that's imp- yeah it is uh, but it's all vanilla there's no uh, there's not nothing telling us that we're kinky yeah. so to say. we just meet up in regular street clubs and having a good time and right. talking and that's 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 there's something very yeah. liberating about that being able to be just a regular you know not not in your kink outfit not in your a kink space and just to be able to be comfortable even if you're not talking about kink there you know sometimes people say well should i go to a munch and all that stuff the, the nice thing about munches is that you can you can you can talk about kink but you can also not talk about kink and just the fact that you have that opportunity yeah is a huge benefit, right? And you see that they're not all axe killers running right. around with the axe waiting to bury you. Some of them are, but not all of them. Yeah, no, no. There is statistically, there's always there's a, always a few. one. You're right. Yeah. There's always one at every month. Yeah. But uh, otherwise, it's um, it's very open, so to say. There's some local parties as well, and it can range from 50 persons to 200, depending on if you have the if you separate the BDSM players from the fetishists. If you have them all, it's up, it easily you easily reach 200, 250, yeah. 300 sometimes. On the Swedish side, you can be even more if you go over to the Danish side, so to say. Well, those Danes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't even want to talk about that. Um, but it does sound like there, there are distinct groups, like there's fetish and then there's BDSM, which obviously there is here in New York too, but usually the the parties are kind of mixed together. Yeah. I mean, there we do have some specific parties that are more latex-oriented and, and more rubber fetishist and stuff like that. But it sounds to me like they're, they're even more segregated there. Segregated is a strong word. I mean, they're 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 more separated. Is that true? Like, no, I wouldn't say that because if we st- if we all stay separated, we won't get a critical mass to have a party in right. some venues, so right. to say. Uh, and so usually it's open for all. But the the thing is, one thing that I noticed that 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 differs uh, from over here and over the, and back home is the the dress code is much stricter back home. Really, or I would say in Euro- Europe in general. Like all blacks doesn't always go, right. so to say. You'll have to have some kind of like kinky outfit, whether it's be whether it's latex or leather or PVC or something else, uniform or something. 
And that differs a lot because I've here over I can see people just coming in in regular street clothes and sneakers and stuff. As long as it's kind of like black or it doesn't even have to be black here. They just pay an extra premium and then they get in. Yeah. We don't really have that back home. They, I, I've heard about people getting getting uh, stopped at the door saying, no, no, you can't get it, come in dressed like that. No, we have, we have people who will criticize uh, an event like suspension for, is a prime example. That if they have um, a dress code where they say, look, you can't even come in all black. You have to be in whatever. That there are people who criticize that, like, well, the king scene should be open for everybody. Um, but at the same time, I can see, I can see positive and, neg and negatives for both, right? You're only going to get the, the hardcore people if they own something fetish wear. One could argue, right? Obviously, there's going to be some hardcore players out there who don't wear any fetish. Yeah, wear. that's the, that's how it is back home. Right. There, we have a lot of people who don't want to dress in that fashion, so yeah. to say. They want to have regular clothes, or at least they usually have all black. Right. And um, then they 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 just say, "No, we're not going to the party. We'll just stay at home and play as yeah. well," so to say. And that's also something that uh, you notice that sometimes there's a lot of fetishists. I don't want to say that it's bad to be a fetishist, but they they differ because they they run around with their stuff. They have their interest, and the BDSM side has their interest. Of course. And uh, there are there are differences, but usually they come together in a good way. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's absolutely. the only thing there is the, the discussion about the dress code. How hard should you be? Yeah, and sometimes they enforce it a lot, and sometimes they don't enforce it. It's up to the uh, the uh, the event. There is the, they are the uh, the ones who promote the uh, event. Yeah. Oh, I mean, there's there's one party in particular that used to be that they're not around uh, in New York anymore, but they were very infamous for. Um, Strict dress code if you're a guy, if you're a woman, it really doesn't matter, okay. right? And the, the where this kind of came back to bite them, and not in a good way, was uh, I remember one party in, very, in particular where it was sort of a, um, uh, a bridesmaid's party, right? Or, or, or what am I trying to think of? Yeah, a bridesmaid's party, I guess you'd say. And it was just, they weren't kinky. They were just there because it was something funny to do. And so they had all these giggling people running around. No interest in kink whatsoever, but they got in yeah. because there was no dress code. It was sort of like a, you know, women, you can show up and do anything you want. And I remember, I think, I remember at the time thinking, you know, this is probably the downfall of this party, is that because anyone can get in, uh, it makes it less special yeah. or something like that, you know? The parties, when you, when you do a party, you have to get the right mix of, yeah. of people. If you get too much of the ones, of one of them or yeah. the other... It, Sometimes it doesn't really play out as it's planned, so to say. So how do you... I guess I've never even asked this question of myself. Um, when I was single, you know, one of my biggest problems was that I'd be sitting there talking to someone for a long time, and I'd make it... And on the plus side, I wasn't just looking for play, but especially those nights when I was really hoping I'd play with someone. I'd be I'd start up and I'd start talking to, to a woman, and we'd be talking for a little while, and um, and I'd realized that she was just a fetishist. I should say that sounds bad. Oh, so not, yeah. not just a fetishist. She was a fetishist and not into any kink. She was yeah. only into the clothing. There yeah. we go. Um, that, I'm gonna get some angry emails over that one. Um, and I was like, oh, oh, okay. Well, you know, see you around. See you around. You know. And of course, it's better than me going up and saying, hey, listen, uh, I'd love to talk to you, but I need to know is this going to be worth my time? Are you into what I'm into? Which is a total asshole thing. Do you find the same thing? You, you, yeah, yeah, I do. I do. It's it's sometimes it's hard to see, uh, to to see uh, to to find out who's who, so to say. Yeah. Sometimes you 
sometimes you have the friends of friends saying, oh yeah, you should talk with that person mm-hmm. or so on. And you get introduced or so yeah. on. That, that makes it a lot easier, depending on how big of a party is it as well. We have small parties, um, the Seven Sins um, uh, organization. They have BDS, pure BDSM parties at their own uh, location called The Stable, where everybody knows that they're either sub or they're dom. Or yeah. So, yeah, you have the you have the role play going on there. Yeah, and you you find out pretty easy who's who, so to say. Yeah, and the doms will pr- approach you as well, yeah. saying hi, how are you, so on. And it's usually it's a small clique, so everybody knows everybody, so to say. Yeah, and um, it's not a big that big of a problem actually. If you want to play, you can always ask and see if what what the what the, what the response is. But you have to be you have to be of course you have to be open to to the negative. Um, answer saying no I'm sorry I'm not interested yeah and then you have to be able to accept stuff like that and and I've always thought um, and I had this discussion with a friend recently who she's dominant and I always thought uh, one of the benefits of being a submissive guy was that I don't have to make the first move right and for, for me which in the vanilla world um, I didn't find is a difficult thing but for some reason when I started trying to date in kinky circles I found me making the first move was a difficult thing to do because, well, am I am I overstepping a bound here? When yeah. I mean, whatever am I doing? You're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because my friend, she said, "Well, oh, listen, just because I'm a woman does not mean I don't want to be approached, and does not mean I, I don't want to be asked out." Um. And so I found that very difficult because it was like I'm kind of screwed either way. If I ask someone out, then I'm being presumptuous, and you know, um, is the same thing. It's the Pretty same much, thing. Yeah. It's the same thing there, and that's something I'm w- been working on myself. Yeah, just getting getting the nerve and everything to say hi. Just go up and say hi. I'm hi. This is I'm Limer. La la la. Yeah, trying to strike a conversation and see if there's any interest. And that's always uh, it's it's not easy. You have because you're you're laying it all out there. Yeah, for them to just take it up, pick it up, and and cherish it, or just you're very vulnerable. Shove right? it down your mouth. Oh yes, absolutely. And kick you in the ass and, go, and turn around. So I've had say. that experience yeah. many, many times. Yeah. And that's, but that it's the same as in the vanilla world. Yeah. You, you know that you can you you offer it, and you hope they'll accept. But then again, they can just say fuck off. I don't want to do. It. I don't want to have anything to do with you. But I found. But usually, I would say, they're much more. Um, they know what you're doing, the effort that you're putting into it. So they're much more. Um, I would say gentle they, yes. they will do it in a nicer way back in the vanilla world they're just like fuck off they'll look, yes. give you a finger they might even throw a drink at you if exactly if, and they're probably a bad drink too yeah i mean i i had i had a similar experience and you're right if you're talking to someone in in the kink circle and they know you're single and you know they're single it's pretty much a given that you're going to try to at least find out if the other person's interested or not so mm-hmm. so absolutely but the, the thing that i found funny was that um in the vanilla world i had very little difficulty getting dates and it's because I didn't care about those dates as much, right? Because I was, I was like, this is vanilla. I'm doing this for sex only or whatever, you know, or, and so I didn't, and because I didn't care, the lack of me caring sort somehow boosted my... Yeah. I can totally get that. Right. I'm not the same. I don't have this. I haven't. I, I don't have that that uh, advantage like you have there. I don't. I, I care about it just right, as well. Right. So I am still very. Uh, I feel vulnerable. So I think. To say. I think what happened was I did care at first, and I just got jaded. And eventually, I was just like, you know what, fuck it. And so I was like, yeah, well, when I, and so, but I can't take the. Sa- I couldn't take the same attitude and in a kinky date. You can't go. You know. Yeah, I could serve you. Oh, I could not. Really, I could give a shit either way. It doesn't work. No. You know. It doesn't. Whereas in the vanilla world, I'd say. Yeah, you know, we could go on a date or not. Really, I could I could care less. That some somehow worked. 
It does, the same strategy does not work in the... No, no, no. You, sh- you don't show an interest at all, you're, you're fucked over in the yes. BDSM world. They just like... But that's the thing here. Like, ignoring people. That's that's the major punishment. Yes. Getting punished with a... Getting spanked. That's not a punishment. It's if attention. you want to get ignored, if you want to get punished, you, you'll be ignored, you'll be shunned. Yeah. And that's that's the total uh, ultimate like punishment yes. so to say so and everybody know well m- most of the people know that yeah there's always the ones running around doing stupid shit yes. hoping that they will get um, punished and they get just surprised and like starstruck when they're like why do they just ignore me what yes hell, what, what, what is this going on here well no you're absolutely they don't right. understand the dy- dynamics in play here the, I, you're absolutely right i i knew people who um there's one one dumb one i knew in particular who she was exploring service and she, she had People coming over to do service for her and all that stuff, and um, she was just having a frustrating time because they'd perp- they'd make so many mistakes, yeah. only- just because they were hoping they get you know spanked for it or something like that. Mm-hmm. She's like, "This is horrible. This is the worst experience. I, this is- my place is messier after then, yeah. you know than before." I've heard about that too, and I'm I'm not a service oriented sub, so mm-hmm. to say that I'll like to go home and clean for. Yeah. I I like to cook for doms and so on. Mm-hmm. I've done that on several occasions, and I make I make the. I make I give it my best shot because I don't want to fuck up. Of course, I know if I fuck up, it'll just be, I'll just be ashamed. Yeah, that's I'll I'll just be red and I just want to go home and and be be put myself in the closet for two days. So maybe the, yeah. So so maybe the 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 answer is you say, hi, my name's Limer. I'm from Sweden. Of course, you say that whether or not you're Sweden, but then you say, do you have any food allergies? And just start off right like that. <laughs> do you have any food allergies? And then go from there. Or, I just tell them that I'm a chef or right. that I that I worked as a cook, so to say, and that's about it usually. And right. eventually, like, ooh, oh wow, yeah. And then they hear from others, like, yeah, he he can cook some mean stuff there. Or uh, even just bring bring to a party, bring something pastry or yeah. something you've made, you know, or or buy something and pass it off as, as your own. And say, I could only make this once, <laughs> yeah. so I hope you enjoy it because I could never make this again. Yeah, yeah. That's um, so so when you when you talk about service or into stuff, I've heard about that too. People just doing that stuff, and I just don't I didn't I don't understand it. Why they, why they, why they're thinking these, in, in the why they have this train of thought, yeah. doing like doing bad stuff, so to say. But it still happens. You mentioned you mentioned cooking, and so I, I I'm very jealous of your skill in in this area, by the way, because my cooking is not. It's getting a little better, but you know, I, before I, I I could somehow burn boiling water. I could. It would be burnt. Like, I've done this, that too. How is this water burnt? Um, have you noticed a? This is sort of a little advice or some inside tips, perhaps, uh, for the other male submissives listening. Have you noticed? Is there like a food that dominant women seem to go for more than others, or is it? No, not. I haven't found out anything special. Like ladies, always usually love chocolate. Sure. Always and with a nice t-shirt. That's one thing I have to say. If you're cooking for a lady or if you're cooking for anybody, if you're doing two or three courses, never fuck up the dessert. Yeah. If you fuck up the dessert, you could have had a perfect main course, but you fucked up the dessert and that's the last impression they get. Right. You always have if you if you if you if you nail the dessert, you're home free so to say. Well, you don't want to fuck up the other stuff. I'm right. sorry for saying these profane words all the I'm time. I'm really offended. I'm very uh open-minded so to say sure. and i i have a, a foul mouth no that's quite right but uh, if, you, if you mess up uh, if you mess up the dessert you're uh, you're in for it so to say you're not going to have a nice nice review so so camel's and, cream you know camel's cream about mushroom soup 
that that'll pass as long as the dessert <laughs> is really good. Yeah, well, you can you can always you can use Campbell's mushroom soup, but you you got to spice it up somehow. Spice something else. Ramen uh, noodles. So ramen noodles yeah, with kind Campbell's, of, kind of, yeah. but really a good dessert. So what's a good dessert? What's a good so, so chocolate cake, uh, okay. chocolate ice cream with some with a hot chocolate cake, something like that, or some fresh berries with chocolate somehow. It's depending on your. It's always good to know what the lady likes sure. when you when you're talking uh, if you talk with them and so on. Uh, if they just say surprise me, well you're in for it. Sometimes it's good to have like instead of making one big chocolate cake, you, you make a small cake of chocolate, a little little ice cream. Um, what do you call it? A scoop of ice cream, sure. maybe some fresh berries, stuff like that. You want to maybe you want to mix it up a little bit. This brings another question though: Is that uh, do, is it better to have something pre-made? Or is it better to have like as far as dessert go, like with a with a with a cake? There's no, there's no process of getting it ready because she's it's already made when she gets there. Is it better to have something that's not completely finished yet, so that it looks like you're taking time to do something, and then yeah. ta-da? I sometimes I, I the, as much as I can, I try to do ahead of time. I mm -hmm. try to plan it because you don't want to do any critical stuff. Well, they're there that you can mess up because if you mess it up, it's you don't you don't have time to run back to the store yeah. and get stuff. So you always have to plan whatever you're doing. You have to go through mental things. Just going through. Okay, I make I'm making for example the meatballs. I got to get this. I got to get that. I can pre-make it up to a certain point. Then I can finish it off when they're here. That's, a good That's idea. something I always do. I always like you always have to be plan two or three steps ahead, knowing. What you're doing, like let's say you're doing steak and some French fries and some sauce, you don't start with the steaks. Uh, you, you, that's the last thing you want to do, right? Because that takes like three or four minutes and they're done. But right. like you want to make, if you're making your own French fries, you might want to cut them and pre-fry them, and then you make the sauce, then you complete it. Um, Stuff like that. So it's like I, I always try to make it from scratch. Unless I know there's, there are sometimes you can get good products out there that is pre-made. It's not a complete meal, but it could be a sauce that you know it's it's so good that you don't have to spend like two hours doing the sauce itself. You can you can buy that. I don't condone uh, pre-made stuff, but right. it's always good to show that you you put an effort into it. And so my own motto is cook with love, eat with passion. Ah, well, the other thing that popped in my mind is if you are cooking deficient, like I am. And if you're in a situation like our, our kitchen is situated so that in, unless you're in the kitchen, you can't, you can't really see what the other person is doing. So if you had a guest, and you know, so if there's any, anyone else listening, if your guest is sitting away from the kitchen but they can still talk to you, what you do is you put on a whole production behind the scenes. It's like, a, it's like the cooking shows, right? Yeah. The pre-made thing is already in the oven. It's done. Exactly. What you're working on is done. And you just kind of like... Break eggs. You just throw some flour around, so it looks like something big is happening. And then you just bring out this beautiful. You dice up some salad or something. Right. Just you know, right. that's just how it is. If you, if you're gonna make some, if you're gonna use pre-made, just take it out of the trays and everything, and put it into your own cookware or whatever you call right. it, the pots and pans, so they can't they can't call you on that at least. No, I swear it's that's, not Kentucky Fried Chicken. Yeah, no, exactly. I swear it's not. Yeah. It looks exactly like it, and the biscuits are. Yes. Yeah. So Ignore you'll that have picture to, of the kernel. You'll have to you'll have to put it into your own uh, cookware. Yes, you could put it into the oven just to get a little extra heat and so That's on. That's true. That's a good idea. It's always good to if you want to if you if you want to put that much time into doing something fake, of course. But then again, you can just as easily go down to the local uh, bookstore, buy a book, 
pick up some simple recipes because I'm not saying that because it's a dom you have to do like seven courses and it has to be like three star Michelin. Right. You, it has to be simple, but you'll have to do it with love. If you don't put the love into it, there's no there's no effort, there's nothing, and it'll show in the in the end result with when they're eating it. I also learned the hard way, not to brag about your cooking abilities, right? Because I, 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 I've told several people, look, I'm really good at breakfast. I can cook breakfast really well. With, in, in hindsight now, when I say it out loud, it sounds like a dick thing to say, look, the only way you're going to get good food is if we have sex. That's not exactly what I meant, right? What I meant was I can cook breakfast pretty I'm really good French toast, eggs in a basket, that type of mm-hmm. stuff. Um, but I kept, like, Sada is a prime example. I told Sada, I'm really good at cooking breakfast. And then the first time I made her breakfast... She put the eggs in her mouth and she spit them out almost right away. And not like spit them out like in an angry way. She just put it in her mouth and then... She was like, this is like the worst scrambled eggs. Because she likes to scramble eggs a very specific way. And, and she I, didn't tell you then? Or? Well, she said she likes scrambled eggs. Oh, okay. And what I had basically made was... I mean, there was They were just moistureless egg chunks is oh. what they were kind of... Um, and it just kind of came back to bite me again the other day. Fourth of July... Um, Barbecue, and I've been telling her about this this dessert that I make that is so good, and I've been telling her about this for years, but we've never had it really only, it doesn't really work well in an oven, you kind of have to have a grill to do it, and you just, it's very simple, it's stupid simple, mm-hmm. you take bananas and you slice, you don't slice the banana in half, but you, you just carve it up a little bit and put in chocolate, or, or, or in, in this case, you know, you put um, uh, brown sugar in, you oh, stuff yeah. it with brown sugar, so again, the top is cut open, but you pry it apart, Stuff it with brown sugar, put it on the barbecue grill, it, it caramelizes everything, mm-hmm. and you put it with ice cream, and they think you spent hours on this sauce when it's just caramelized banana, right? Yeah. And I realized, as I was hanging it to her, I've been telling her about this for years, it would have been so much better if I just surprised her with it, right? Because there's no way it's going to live up to it. She still liked it. You set the bar pretty high. Exactly. Saying that you were going to do that. Right. I have one that I can always recommend. Yeah. Um, it's called Yinu, G-I-N-O. Okay. And it's you, what you do is you take fresh fruit and you dice it up. You put it in a, a, a oven-safe, um, what do you call it? Pan. Pan. Sure. And then you take some white chocolate that you grate. You should grate this like five to seven hours before you put it into the oven. Oh, okay. Because you grate it so it starts to dry. It, loose, it lets off a little bit of the moisture it has. Oh. Then you just sprinkle it over. Put it into the... You guys have gas pan, gas stoves all over. Put it into the, to the stove. Just put it on top. Uh, top uh, heat and just burn away until you see that it starts to caramelize and go into like this golden brown you just bring it out finished wow you can do it with raspberries strawberries banana kiwi all kinds of fruits like now with the strawberries and everything it's just it's amazing I'm torn to if I should leave this in or not because Saad's going to know about it ahead of time now because she's going (laughs) to I can say you can hold the interview two or three weeks maybe I'll make it first and go yeah well I I had this brilliant idea Um, but that's a really great idea, and I think a lot of people, I a lot of people, they don't focus on. Yeah. And what you can do is, if you want to, you don't have to do it in the big um, pans. You can make it small portions as well. Yeah. So you can, everybody can get their own. You can, you can ask them when they come in, what kind of fruits do you like, if or if you know. So you can, you can make them personalized as well. Right. Because oh. it's just diced fruit, like um, half an inch big or even smaller, and some blueberries or whatever. Put it into the pan. Don't don't do it so it's like two or three inches high. Just very like an inch high maximum. Then some white chocolate, grated chocolate. And it's it it. sounds That's simple. It. Yeah. I, well, 
I think that I think there's a lot of people who forget all about that aspect because they always f focus on so many different areas of kink and how to be better at it than to just remember the simple stuff, right? Or the most it's basic always, stuff. It's always the simple stuff. Me being a cook, when I get when I get invited to somebody, they're always like, "Ooh, here he comes." But I'm like. <laughs> I just look into. I just see that oh, they put their heart and soul into it. I come to a to a set table. I am very happy just yeah. by coming to a set table. That's yeah. just how it is. I like to entertain myself, and I know just like get, setting the table and having them enjoy while I cook. I love that as well. I can stand there. I can go out and say hi and do some stuff, and then they come up. We eat. I go back and do the dessert and whatnot, and then. That's something I, I love to do. And do you do you sometimes go ahead of time say to yourself, okay, I got to make sure that's not some, I got to make sure that it's not going to stain leather pants. No, I don't no? think about you that. Don't, you don't, no. That's it's terrible. all about the pleasure. It's when terrible. I do when I do when I cook, I, I try to I try to find out what they like yeah. and I try to maximize the. So ah. I, I I like to hear the ahs and the ums and stuff like that. When there's silence on the dinner table, then you. have Really, someone's hit, choking. Hit the spot. Yeah, yeah. Well, right. you, they could be choking. They could be choking. Too. And as I, I, I did, I did uh, food for some friends over here. I did my Swedish uh, meatballs, and I always say, whenever I, I entertain, I always say, if you die, we know. If if we die eating, if we die after this, we know what killed us. <laughs> right. And it's just like sometimes there's a total silence, and sometimes there's just laughter. Right. Right. But I, I do it in I do it in a, in a happy way. So that's how say, you can in yeah, a you funny can. way. I don't I don't sit there just staring into their eyes saying, <laughs> "If you die, you know what killed you." You know what killed you. Yeah. Right. Um, very briefly, you mentioned the stable, and you said this is a fairly new. Yeah, it's a place. It's um, it's actually a horse stable that they uh, that my two friends Hex and Morgana at Seven Sins, they um. They st they thought about it and they, everybody's looking for their own place back home in Sweden. Yeah, they, they don't have a a lot of a lot of organizations don't have their own set space. Mm -hmm. So uh, the Seven Sins ladies they um, they had a stable over uh, half of the, and so they took half of the stables and redid it to a dungeon or they did it with the help of others right. including me. We repainted it and everything. So we we decorated different stalls. For example, we have the electro pay stall. Mm -hmm. There's the dark room. There's the classroom. There's the bondage room. There's the wax play room. So there's all, and there's all actually the horse, the the, the pony play uh, room as well. It's really, yeah, yeah, yeah it's a real stable. So right? and then you go out the back and you can have the pigs running around, so to say. <laughs> That's great. Uh, and so if someone wants to visit, if they're either if well, they'll Sweden have, they'll ha they have the, they arrange parties. It's okay. all uh, it's all on the uh, Swedish website darkside.se. Okay. That's where they uh, mainly um, hang out. Hang out. Right. Perfect. And, and, and I don't know if they have a. I don't know if they have a, um, if they have a homepage up, but um, I'll give it to you if they if it's up. Sure. And, and, and if someone is if someone is uh, visiting that area, is it kind of open? Can can if well, they're having a party, do you have to get a special invite or no? Well, one we have or oh, they have, I should say. The usually you have to get in touch with them before. Sure. There's a certain time limit that you have to be in contact before the party. Right. You have to give them your real name, and usually it's we have our uh, kind of like a personal number. Everybody gets their digits when you were born. Yeah. We give them that because it's a private club. Sure. So that's way you you get on the list, and then you're in, so to say. It costs about like ten, fifteen bucks. That's great. To get in. Depending on what kind of an event it is, but that sounds like a, it sounds like something that would be really a, a lot of fun to do. Yeah. You know, if you're abroad, I think there's a lot of people that um, I know. I've been getting a lot of emails from people who travel quite a bit, and whether it's uh, across the U.S. or across the world, and they're just looking for these little things that you know you 
unless you're a local, you don't really yeah, know, you about don't know about it. Yeah, you don't know about it. You know, or unless you took, put a lot of time and, and energy into it. So that's the, that's one of the problems I, I see over in Europe. Like some of the stuff is very out there in the open, like torture garden stuff like that, because mm -hmm. it's it's always been on this day, this specific day, and yeah. that week, and so on. But sometimes there there's stuff like uh, I go to a to a thing called Manifest over in Copenhagen. And I don't see them, I, or I haven't noticed them doing the, the they don't promote their own stuff on man, on the Fat Life. Yeah. But I've seen actually Dutchies doing it. So they're promoting the party saying, oh, we have this over in Copenhagen. Yeah. So I signed up for that, for example. Yeah. I can't, I see the name that it's manifest in Copenhagen. I can't re read the rest, but I'm okay. I'm signing up. I'm going right. there. Right. And that's just how it is right now. Unless you go to their own homepages. But then again, you have to find them. You have to. Yeah, that's always uh, and also there's a huge difference between yeah. getting a recommendation from someone and actually just finding it on the web, right? Yeah, because you don't know if it's going to be any good or not. No. Yeah. But you can always just hit hit uh, hit Fat Life and see if there's any discussion about it. If you have any questions, feel free to just send me an email and I say what I can do. If there's anything I can find out or whatever, or I can, if I can direct you in the correct way. And you're on. Uh, you're on I'm on Fat, Fat Life, Life as well. Limer. L I M E R. Uh, yes. And piece of cake easy is there anything else that we haven't talked about that you you, you wanted to mention i'm not sure well if you have any more questions on well it's, it's been oh, oh, well over an hour it's gone by uh, like that yeah it goes quickly it goes by very quickly i, I just gotta say i i want to say thank you to all the uh tests to test because they had a great party going on a great event it's great that you enjoyed it it's yeah. really awesome and, and uh you're but from what we talked about earlier, you said you're going to be starting exploring the European scene. I hope you're going to be back in the States again. Yeah, eventually I'll, I'll come back. I don't know when, depending on the, if they're in, if the Yankees are in the World Series I was Series just going to say, I was just going to say, yeah, of course. It's all about the uh, the playoffs now. That's really funny that uh, that you got into the Yankees. I mean, I think that's that's. Awesome. It's almost a kink of mine. Right. I cr always cry at the Yankee games. That's just how it is. Really? First time I went there back in 2008, I caught a home run ball in my first game. I you cried did? like a baby. Yeah. Second time I was there, uh, I took the tour and we got some special thing uh, going on because there was an old lady. We found out later that she was so old that she had been to Lou Gehrig's farewell speech. Oh, wow. So they took us to a certain place that was off limits and she got to tell the story for us. And like the 25 of us in the group, everybody just started welling away, right. crying like babies and stuff like that. That's and I just much. hope that Derek Jeter gets his 3,000 hit on Thursday when I'm going with uh, my friend Shermie. Because I know I'll be wailing away then again, crying like a baby. You're, this is the, the first time anyone's mentioned Derek Jeter in a kink or non-kink <laughs> oriented thing on the podcast. And I thank you. I'm glad you're the one who do it. To do it so. Thank you very much for doing this. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Limer. And uh, if you want to get in contact with him, you can find out all his information on FetLife. Like he said, is. His username is Limer, but uh, he's also on Twitter and all that stuff you can find on the Massacast website, Massacast.com. And, um, yeah, hey, thank you for listening. And um, looking forward to another episode in a couple of weeks. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.